0: Welcome to the Living Leadership Podcast. Equipping leaders to abide in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully.
1: Hello, my name is Paul Coulter and I'm Head of Ministry Operations with Living Leadership. This is the third in a series of five episodes exploring aspects of pastoral care. I hope to help you have confidence in how you can ensure your pastoral care is gospel-shaped. And I'm bringing you ideas that I introduced in a one-off episode of the podcast in January 20. But for more about these ideas, to explore them more, you really need to join our gospel-shaped pastoral care course, which runs online between March and June. In this series, we've been thinking about five M's of pastoral care, motivation, methods, means, margins and mechanics. In the first episode, we thought about the compassion of the father as our motivation in pastoral care. In the second episode, we looked to the example of Jesus to understand how to develop loving relationships with others in humility and vulnerability as our method in pastoral care. And in this episode, we'll turn our thoughts to the Holy Spirit as we consider the means of pastoral care. Now, I'm going to say right up front that our goal in pastoral care should be the goal the Spirit leads people to, which is Christ-like maturity. We've said that already in this series. Pastoral care has a goal. If it doesn't have a goal, it's not pastoral because a shepherd leads people somewhere. In the first episode of this series I quoted from Romans chapter 8 verses 26 to 27 where the apostle Paul says that the spirit intercedes for us according to God's will. And if you look at those verses again in their context you'll notice that Paul clarifies exactly what the will of God is in verse 29. It's also the definition of the good towards which verse 28 assures us that the Father, God, works all things together. What is that good? What is the will of God? Well, it is, verse 29 says, to be conformed to the image of his Son. That's the goal of God's eternal plan of redemption. It's not simply that people will be spared from hell, nor that they will have the record of their sins wiped out nor even that they find a way to persevere through the hardships of life in a fallen world. And true as those things are, and precious as those truths may be, there's something much greater in mind here. As a pastoral caregiver, you must never lower your hopes for the people you care for, or your expectations of what God may do in them. Don't see yourself as just ensuring that they can survive. It's true that we're going to live with groaning in this fallen world. Paul describes that in Romans 8 in verses 20 to 23. It's true that the fullness of our transformation into Christ-likeness depends on the redemption of our bodies, and that's future, as Paul says in verse 23. But we also know that real change is possible in the present age as we wait patiently. We're confident that the Spirit is at work in others, and we pray for him to continue that work through us. People can change. Ungodly desires can become weaker, can be replaced even with godly desires. Deeply ingrained traits in a person's personality that are unhealthy can change. People's thinking can be transformed by gospel truth. Now, of course, we've got to realise where our work as pastoral caregivers ends and the work of the Holy Spirit begins. We're called to be helpers or perhaps counsellors, although, as I've said, as we always say in Living Leadership, we do well to be careful in our use of the word counsellor as it carries all sorts of connotations in the age that we live in. I'll say more about that in a future episode. But although we might be helpers, we might give counsel to people, the Spirit is the helper and the counsellor like Jesus. That's what the Lord called him in John 14 verse 16. We teach truth and we call for repentance, but only the Spirit enlightens the heart and makes God's word internal, bringing growth. We pray with and for the individual that God's will might be done. But as we've seen in Romans 8, the spirit intercedes according to God's will. We have our own impression and understanding of what God's will may be in this specific situation. But only God knows truly and perfectly what it is. The spirit knows it and he intercedes. We speak words of encouragement and we remind people of God's love. But as Romans 5 verse 5 teaches us, the spirit Pours God's love into people's hearts. He makes it their experience, not just a theory, so that their hope in God is not merely pie in the sky when you die, but steak on the plate while you wait. The Spirit has a goal for the people you care for to lead them towards maturity in Christ by promoting their growth in faith, love, and hope. You're powerless to change people. That's a realisation that might breed discouragement and frustration. But he is powerful. That gives you a cause for hope and perseverance. Don't lower your expectations. Don't give up hoping because the Spirit is at work. To be gospel-shaped pastoral caregivers, we need to be clear in our understanding of the Spirit's work in people's lives. One of the most helpful passages describing it is in 2 Corinthians chapters 3 and 4 and I'd encourage you to study those chapters to refresh your appreciation. In chapter 3 the Apostle Paul contrasts the glory of the new covenant with the old covenant. He describes how the face of Moses, the mediator of the old covenant, shone as he descended Mount Sinai with the tablets of stone in his arms. By contrast with that temporary transformation of Moses' appearance, Paul tells us that the ministry of the Spirit is permanent and surpassing in glory. As people turn to Christ, the Spirit removes the veil that blinds their eyes and he gives a new freedom to approach God and to dwell in God's presence. And that is the beginning of a continuous gazing on Jesus. Let's hear Paul's own words, at least as the ESV translates them in Second Corinthians 3, verse 18. He says, we all with unveiled face, beholding the glory of the Lord, are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. Paul's describing a progressive change into the image of Jesus as we gaze on him. A transformation that the Spirit brings about. Now we might ask, well how does that work? How do we gaze on Jesus? I mean we can't see him now with our eyes, he's not physically here on earth. So is Paul talking simply about some internal experience, a feeling, sort of internal vision in a way? Well sometimes we, we, we seem to think that way about the spirit. We think that He's all about the experience of God's love. And and, and Romans 5, of course, told us that that's part of his work. And and we're right to recognise that we need to experience God's love by the Spirit's work in us. If we didn't have that experiential faith, we'd be dead. But we don't always appreciate the relationship between the Spirit and the Word, which Paul makes crystal clear as we move into chapter 4 of 2nd Corinthians. We like the feeling of being loved by God, but we neglect the need to respond to the truth of God. Paul doesn't leave us with that dichotomy. In chapter 4, he describes his ministry of presenting the truth of the gospel to people, and he uses the same image of a veil to describe people's blindness to the gospel, that he used in chapter 3 to describe their blindness to Jesus. Do you get it? In other words, to see the truth of the gospel is to see Jesus. It is in the gospel that Jesus is presented to our gaze. And that relationship between the gospel and Jesus is so because the gospel is the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, as Second Corinthians 4 verse 4 says. It's Jesus that Paul preaches, and as people respond to his message, the Spirit shines light in their hearts in a new work of creation that was like the creation of the universe described in Genesis 1. Do you see it? The Spirit and the Word work in perfect harmony. The Spirit brings the Word to life in the heart of the believer. The truths proclaimed come to life and and grow into Christ-like character in the believer. The Spirit never works without the Word of God. And the Word is powerful because it is the sword that the Spirit wields. And that realisation gives us a fresh appreciation, doesn't it, of the importance of preaching the Gospel. As the Gospel is proclaimed, the Spirit is at work in the lives of those who hear. But this isn't just about preaching in the sense of one person giving a a monologue. It's also true when gospel truth is shared in pastoral relationships most often, in a dialogue. If we're going to be spirit-led in our pastoral care, we need to share the truth of God's word, gospel truth, with people. We've got to help them reframe their questions and reinterpret their needs in light of the gospel. We must guide them towards an understanding of what God requires from them in the decisions they need to make. We can affirm and assure their faith in the promises of God. As we do so, we are the agents of the Spirit. And we know that the real and lasting change that we hope for in the people we care for is not generated by us, but it's His work. We simply seek to share faithfully and leave the results to him. The word of God tests our thoughts and it directs our emotions towards their proper goal, which is God himself. It points the way along which the spirit leads us to our father. A shepherd doesn't simply care by walking with the sheep, but also by warning them of danger and showing them what makes for good food. So pastoral shepherdly care has to involve guidance. Our great resource is the gospel and the scriptures. Christian pastoral care is never value-free. We don't just accept people as they are. We do that, as we saw in episode two, but we do it with an agenda, as Paul Tripp reminded us. We do it seeking and not a a hidden agenda that would be manipulative and dishonest but a transparent open agenda that we believe what is good for the person is to grow in Christlikeness which means obedience to the word of God and surrender to the spirit of God that's what we seek to model it's what we desire in our lives it's what we think or what we know is good for them And so we seek to learn with the other person what God's word says into their struggles and their situation in order to point them towards greater faithfulness. We feed people with the word of God and we trust that the spirit of God will apply that truth to their lives. So as under shepherds of the good shepherd, Jesus, who is the true shepherd of people's souls, we should aim to help people recognize his voice. We want them to follow Christ's voice, not ours. And that means we're going to have to make it clear when we are speaking with the authority of Scripture, here's what the Bible plainly says, and when we're sharing our best advice based on what wisdom and understanding the Lord may have given us. Those are two different categories, aren't they? One is a call of authority that we say we recognize and we think they should recognize. The other is is the help of a friend who has their best interest at heart, but has no authority over them. And we would do well to recognize the difference between what Scripture says and our opinions. doesn't mean we don't share our opinion. We share it, but we share it with a degree of, of uncertainty and openness that we might be wrong. That we don't have with the words of scripture. So to fail to make that distinction is to confuse our role with the spirits. But what we want is to help people discern the spirits leading in their situation amidst the various voices that cried in. Voices that come from painful memories of how parents and other authority figures spoke to and about them. Voices that, that are the messages of popular culture from the media, the press, advertising, television, movies, songs. Voices that include the subtle lies of Satan or the voices that bubble up in the confusion of our own emotions. And through all of these, people need to hear the spirits prompting the truth of the gospel. Thinking of the Spirit's work in pastoral care also encourages us to think of another aspect of his work, which is the giving of gifts to serve God. What gifts of the Spirit operate in pastoral care? Well, there's no single spiritual gift listed in the New Testament that corresponds to the totality of what we call pastoral care. There's no gift of pastoral care. There are, however, various gifts that contribute to a rounded understanding of pastoral care. Words of wisdom mentioned in 1 Corinthians 12:8 will be vital as we seek to skillfully apply gospel truth into specific situations. The gifts of helps, referred to in 1 Corinthians 12:28, and serving, mentioned in Romans 12:7, will be vital in meeting needs of others. Our relationships, actions, and words will be greatly enhanced by the gifts of encouraging and showing mercy mentioned in Romans 12, verse 8. And of course, the gift of teaching has a large part to play in giving guidance. So we recognize that some people have been given special capacities and abilities in each of these functions. And that brings for those people an additional responsibility for using those gifts and fulfilling them. That realization that what we call pastoral care requires various gifts Is a helpful pointer to the need for pastoral care to be provided by a team of diversely gifted people rather than dependent on just one individual. No one has all the necessary gifts. And we will be more effective in pastoral care if we know our own gifts and appreciate those of others so that we bring these different gifts together for the health of the body. I'll say something more about that in the fifth episode in this series. But we should also remember that. Just because some individuals are especially gifted in encouraging, showing mercy, helping, or speaking words of wisdom, doesn't mean that others are absolved of all responsibility for this. These are all things that are expected of every believer as expressions of our love for one another. We should all seek to share wisdom, to help, to serve, to encourage, and to be merciful to one another, even as we recognize the special gifting that some people have in each of these areas. Thinking about these different gifts allows us to appreciate that there are different aspects of pastoral care. In the Gospel-shaped Pastoral Care course, I identify and explore four of these, which I think together describe holistic care for others. There are four ministries in which we need the power and the leading of the Spirit. Two of them are ministries without words, broadly covered by the category of service, as Peter describes it in 1 Peter 4 verses 10 to 11. These are presence and provision. The ministry of provision or presence rather means coming alongside the person as a reminder of God's presence and love to listen well to them and seek understanding with the Spirit's help of their needs. And in the ministry of provision, we ensure that their practical needs are met realising that that too is a spiritual ministry and that love must be shown in actions. The other two ministries involve words, they're speaking ministries to go back to 1 Peter 4, 10 and 11. And those are the ministry of intercession in which we talk to God about people, we carry them before God. An instruction in which we talk to people about God. Four ministries: presence provision, intercession and instruction. I could say much more about those four and and I will do that in the Gospel-Shaped Pastoral Care course. But I want to make it clear that these four ministries are all vital and that no single person can do all of them in every situation. When we think about organising pastoral care in our churches, which we'll touch on in episode 5 of this podcast series. We need to ensure that they're all happening effectively and we must also avoid any temptation to make sure that some of them are more spiritual than others. To be with a person or to provide for their material needs is no less a work of the spirit than to pray for them or to share with them from the scriptures. So summarizing what we've thought about in these first three episodes of this series There is no authentic gospel-shaped pastoral care outside of godly, Christ-like, spirit-led care. In pastoral care, we join with the triune God, with the motivation of the Father, his compassion, the example of Christ in our methods of loving relationship, and depending for our means upon the Spirit who alone brings lasting change. In the lives of people as he brings god's word and god's truth to bear in their lives christian pastoral care emerges from a heart that is open in relation to the indwelling presence of the pastoral god and it proceeds by guiding people towards the goal of faith in god and obedience to his word as the spirit guides and empowers them all true pastoral care leads people to greater trust in love for, and obedient service to God, the one true shepherd. So let's pray as we come to a close. Holy Spirit, we thank you that you are the helper and counsellor like Christ. We need your leading, your empowerment, and the gifts you give in our care for others. Help us to listen to you, to recognise our gifts, and to follow your leading. We thank you that you know those we care for better than they know themselves and that you are at work in them. Continue your work of changing us and them into the likeness of Christ, we pray. Conform us to the truth of the gospel. By your enabling, may we glorify the one you came to testify to, our Lord Jesus, in whose name we pray. Amen. If you want to explore these issues further and develop your heart, skills and wisdom for pastoral care, we'd love to welcome you into our Gospel-Shaped Pastoral Care course, which is delivered online on Monday mornings from March to June. To find out more and to register for the next run of the course, please visit livingleadership.org slash pastoralcare. Thank you.
0: Thank you for listening to the Living Leadership Podcast. We hope that what we've considered today spurs you on in your walk with the Lord. If you were encouraged by today's episode, consider sharing it with a friend or colleague or leaving a review on your podcast app to help others find us. If you want to engage further with us on anything we've discussed today, we'd love to hear from you. You can find us on any major social media platform at Living Leaders or visit our website www.livingleadership.org where you'll also find more support and resources to help you abide in Christ joyfully and serve him faithfully. God bless.